Hey. Yeah, we we begin this whole thing just on what's got so screwed. Jay was sitting in the green room, and I'm like, I, I see he's on air right now. I'm like, maybe he got the time schedule screwed up. No, I just uh, my plan was to push the podcast tonight on my podcast, and then I didn't. I looked up and I saw it was seven o two, and I was like, oh crap, I got to quit. So uh, <laughs> no, no, I was just trying to hurry up out of there. I didn't notice the time, dude. It's such a weird time because like this freaking thing drops this morning it's like i we had this other thing we wanted to talk to you about and it's a weird thing for us to talk to you about because i'm not going to debate you because you're a maniac debater um but you're talking about the francis thing or yeah that's such a weird like uh, like i almost feel like it's like you know the italian thing like like you don't you don't discuss the family stuff outside the family you know (laughs) like uh, but i'll i'll say this man i think whatever your opinions on Francis are or whatever our opinions on Francis are, I think this is a bad thing for Christianity in general when something like this happens, because for those of us that are all trying to defend the indissolubility of marriage between a man Mm -hmm. and a woman and things like that, it makes us look like even worse because you even have people in the hierarchy saying that this is a good thing. So, you know, we'll, we'll, We'll try to stay off that topic today. Yeah, we don't have to talk about it. We can talk about yeah. whatever we want to. We don't have to talk about that. Yeah, just because uh, I, I would like to see you debate. I heard you even saying at the end of your stream, like you and Tim Gordon were going to debate or something, right? Well, I, he wants to debate, uh, like, you know, pretty intense metaphysics, philosophy topics, which is fine. Um, you know, <clears throat> I, I don't know how, I, I guess you could theoretically debate like has Roman Catholic moral theology changed or something like that? I mean, maybe you could have that debate. I, I don't know how you would approach yeah. like who would be, I mean, maybe Trent would want to debate it. But when I was talking to, to Trent, you know, I was saying, why don't we debate something like the history of the papacy? Because it all, it, like all the papacy debates end up being like, what's the meaning of infallibility? And is this statement infallible? So that's yeah. like the whole debate ends up being that, which I don't mind having that debate. I just feel like it's been had many, many, many times. So I'm just typically trying to find other angles and ways to discuss the topic. Like, like I just one of the funniest big medieval history book. Like I'd like to talk about some of that, you know, not the same old, well, what do you say to this quote, uh, quote mine? What about this? What about this quote? What about this quote? One of the, one of the funniest debates I've ever seen you have was Bryson Gray, because I was screaming at my screen, trying to (laughs) like you were, you were, giving this guy the simplest concept for him to understand. And he just couldn't understand the concept. You were like, no, he's like, I just did answer you. You're like, you did not answer what I just put in front of you. Like, what are you talking about? Like Bryson Gray's got some strange theology. Yeah. He's a super hard headed dude. I mean, he's a nice guy in person, but like the theology, he's super hard headed. I don't know. What is he though? Like, does he, he he calls it, uh, well, he doesn't call himself Arian, but he's an Arian uh, version of Messianic Judaism. So he thinks Jesus is the Messiah, but he's purely man. Um, wow. And then he, he calls it Messianic Judaism, where you're supposed to follow the Torah. So, so wait, so do Messianic, do Messianic Jews not believe in the Trinity then? No, like, I would say most of, most of them would probably, I haven't pulled them but many yeah. a majority of them would probably say they believe in the deity of christ but i think bryson has kind of like constructed sort of his own thing that's pretty strange yeah it is pretty- um dude the reason i wanted to get you on so i did you watch that um did you watch that obama movie leave oh, yeah. the world behind 
Yeah, we did a whole podcast on it. <clears throat> Dude, I watched that freaking movie and Rob didn't watch it. And it was like, it was kind of hard for me to have a conversation with him about it because he hadn't seen it. And it was one of those things where I felt like I was watching something that they were planning to do to us. Yeah. It was just this, this weird feeling I had afterward where it, it left me unnerved. And people mistook me saying that for saying it was a good movie. It's not that I thought it was a good movie or anything. I thought it was well put together in that especially because i live on long island like if you live on long island and you have an incident like that go down you're trapped on the island there's you're mm -hmm. not getting food in you're not getting off the island you're stuck here it would be complete mayhem and it's been like a fear that i've had for a long time what, what were your thoughts on that movie initially when you saw it yeah we took a lot of notes uh jamie and i watched it because we felt like it was going to be kind of a you know, propaganda, predictive programming, heavy film. <clears throat> and especially if you've got Obama involved, right? I mean, you know, it's going to be sure it's going to be a doozy. So uh, we took a lot of notes on it. Um, my first thought was that, like, it's the idea is supposed to be what would really happen. You know, it's supposed to be a realistic portrayal of what would happen if America collapsed. Right. So that did pique mm. my interest, but I knew it was going to have you know, some of the critical race theory tension type stuff in it going on. It's going to promote division because usually when Obama puts out stuff, it's always it's always got that agenda behind it. Um, so, you know, initially it's sort of like this couple, if you don't know the story, right, is trying to rent more or less like an air, a nice fancy Airbnb from a black couple. The black couple's gone <clears throat> and then they suddenly come home because there's been some problem in the city. Maybe the internet's going down. And the first thing they think is hackers, but you have this really awkward exchange between Ethan Hawke and Julia Roberts and the black guy and his daughter. And they're trying to figure out what do we do here? We're in your house, right? We're the colonizers. We're, <laughs> we're on your property. Yeah. Uh, and so they have to make this, uh, you know, compromise about how they're going to spend the night. And then things kind of escalate. We start seeing. Well, well, right off the bat, they try to make out Julia Roberts to be this racist, Bitch, she's not. a bitchy wine mom. Yeah, she's a Karen. Yeah, right. Karen. But at the same time, it's like, dude, a black couple shows up at your door. You're on Long Island in a wealthy neighborhood. Like, you're not crazy to think, like, <laughs> maybe something's going on here. Going on. So, so while we're watching it, my wife is like, she's like, what would you do in this scenario? I'm like, I got to be honest. Like, the guy shows up in a tuxedo with a young girl. They're in a nice car. Like, it almost seems too unbelievable to not be true, you know, like that, that might get me, but you know, if just some random, anybody shows up at your door to an Airbnb claiming the things they were like, you're not going to be quick to let these people in your house and they make her out to be like this psycho for not wanting the strangers in the house. Yeah. So you're supposed to feel bad, right? Like, oh, you, maybe you're, you got micro racial aggressions going on if you want to defend your house. Right. So I think, yeah, I think you're, the, the, the viewer is supposed to feel guilt, guilt trip, uh, guilt trip. I think you're right. You're yeah. right about that. Right. Um, but I also noticed too, I don't know if you saw that series a few years ago. Um, uh, Mr. Robot. Right. So the guy that d directed this, is I the saw director. the first season. Yeah. Me With, too. Uh, Remy Malik. Right. Yeah. 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 Yep. So the, the guy that directed this is the director of that. And some people are saying like internet nerds are saying, Oh, this is supposed to take place in the same universe. That's why. Uh, they start speculating early on in the movie that it's hackers, right? Hackers have brought yeah. down the, you know, internet or whatever. And Julia Roberts gets those weird messages on her phone. And she's like, oh, it's hackers. And so um, that was weird because 
you know, we've been hearing cyber polygon from Klaus ever since the coup, right? Yeah. So right after the coup happened, Klaus and company at the World Economic Forum, they ran these uh, exercises of cyber polygon where there's a cyber pandemic where basically the internet goes out and, you know, be, be, be worried because this will be way worse, Klaus said, than the coup shutdowns, right? So yeah. that was my first thought was, like, hey, wait a minute, like, is this talking about Klaus's great reset, right? And, we, and as we're watching the movie, we're starting to get the incl- the idea that it might be like a great reset scenario, right? Like whoever's bringing down the country is resetting it back to, uh, you know, an 1800s prairie, you know, scenario where you don't have electricity and you, you know, you can't yeah, go they, down. They even hinted at being the elites that do it. It's, yeah, it's exactly. pretty crazy, you know? Yeah. That guy uh, says uh, at one point, um, uh, Oh, the, the black guy says, you know, I'm a trader. So I deal with a lot of, uh, you know, high, high profile clients. And one of my clients works for the military industrial complex and he's a defense contractor. And they had these contingency plans for, certain scenarios and he said you know it might be the end of the world cabal like a cabal's running it he's like but i didn't believe him and there's there's nobody running everything and then but then it comes you come to find out hey wait a minute no actually they have done this and the, the craziest part about the movie i think is the hinting that it can't just be a foreign government that did this there also has to be internal traders mm-hmm. that help subvert to bring the country down and that's hinted at in the movie and i think that that part's true as well like if if america if america did collapse it would also require a lot of sort of internal subversion as well um real quick jay since our audience might not be uh as knowledgeable on this as yours can you just quickly explain what predictive programming is yes look i got into this in grad school because um I was always a movie buff. And then I, I started when I was studying geopolitics and history in grad school, I started noticing like, well, a lot of movies have, you know, like truthful things in them, but a lot of times they skew it. A lot of times it's propaganda. So I was really interested in like, what's the relationship between movies and fiction <coughs> and propaganda. So my, my master's thesis is on that topic. And I went into the cold war era. Um, I studied James Bond <coughs> and how he was used in the cold war as a symbol of, of propaganda and Western attitudes in the cold war and what i started realizing was that actually quite a bit of fiction and movies are propaganda so more specifically predictive programming is the idea that there uh, is the intentional use of fiction whether in movies or print or whatever to condition people to what you want to do down the road so it's not saying that every movie ever is like mind control or was programmed, but ra- rather to say that a lot of movies and a lot of uh, fiction has had messages put into it, seeded, so to so to speak, uh, to prepare people for things to come. So, for example, isn't, isn't the CIA very involved in a lot of the Hollywood script writing? Oh, absolutely. In fact, uh, let me grab a couple of these books here. Dude, he's the best on this stuff. <laughs> I could talk to Jay about this stuff all night. <laughs> yeah, so when I was studying this, right, in the academic sphere, um, I was actually surprised at the the academic literature that already existed on this topic because I thought, well, nobody really knows about this. Is this a real thing? But, um, like, there's I already started finding back in the 2000s um, academic publications on this, right? So this is, not yeah. a, this is not a conspiracy book. This is University of Texas Press. 
right? You can see it's academic text. And it's uh, a woman who's one of the first to write on this topic, uh, Professor Tr Trisha Jenkins. And here she was just talking mainly about like, well, the CIA was consulting on shows like Alias, the J.J. Abrams show, um, a lot of other projects that the CIA consulted on. Another book that came out not too long after 9-11. This is about 2004. Uh, it's another academic um, publication about uh, how Hollywood uh, is program programming us through the Pentagon's propaganda in a lot of different movies and how they have oversight over a lot of screenplays. And so, th I mean, that stuff's still all pretty tame, though. It's kind of like, you know, low level propaganda, sort of promoting the military, promoting Americanism. Mm -hmm. But when you start getting deeper into um, specifics, uh, I read a book by, this is a, a guy who had some function at the CIA, I forget what, but it's called The Great Game, and it's uh, called The Realities and the Myths of Espionage by uh, Frederick Hitz. And in this book, he talks about the history of spy fiction and how a lot of times in uh, early British spy fiction, they would put what they couldn't talk about into their fiction, right? So Britain has a law called the Official Secrets Act where you're not allowed to talk about um, anything you were involved in if you were a spy. So what a lot of the spies would do was just write fiction, like Graham Greene, famous spy. He writes fiction stories. So they started putting reality into the fiction. And there's actually a really famous movie about this idea. It's one of the first I can think of about kind of what predictive programming is. It's called Three Days of the Condor. Uh, it has Robert Redford. And his job is, as a CIA analyst, he basically just combs through fiction. And he looks for things in fiction that might be um, uh, cryptographic messages or something like that, or signs that the Soviets are up to something, right? Uh, so he's basically studying fiction, and then he ends up in this big, you know, conspiracy plot. It's a really good movie. I recommend watching it. Uh, the CIA guys are trying to basically kill him. Um, so anyway, so that's what I wrote about in my books. And I'll give you one one last example to understand predictive programming. Uh, in 2000, uh, I forget what year this was, a few years ago, uh, people put in a FOIA request uh, this is from a book called National Security Cinema. And uh, I'll quote them really briefly. It said, we acquired 4,000 new pages of documents from the Pentagon, the CIA through a FOIA. For us, these documents were the final nail in the coffin. Documents uh, for the first time demonstrate the U.S. government worked behind the scenes on over 800 major movies and over more, more than 1,000 TV shows in the last several decades. National Security Cinema details how the U.S. government was involved in projects ranging from James Bond to the Transformers to the Marvel and DC Universe. A similar influence was exalted, uh, uh, was exerted over many <clears throat> TV shows, including Hawaii Five-0, America's Got Talent, Oprah, Jay Leno, and even Cupcake Wars. So things as innocuous as so Cupcake weird. Wars, yeah, <laughs> yeah, had like uh, pro, uh, you know, military recruitment stuff put in there. Um, anyway, it goes on to say that including uh, the CIA consulting on shows like Top Chef. And the reason for that is that people think that entities like the CIA, oh, they're just involved in, uh, you know, other overseas operations. No, they're actually involved in culture creation. So they have a huge yeah. role in steering culture, movies, music. Uh, and so that's something that just most people still don't even know about. Um, and that's, by the way, why so many actors... And Hollywood people have been spies. So I, when you when you looked at okay, so before before the, the the pandemic hits us, you had that it was in like 2019 or 2018. They have this summit and they talk about a coronavirus coming. Like they actually like told us what was going to happen. What the mm -hmm. heck? It was Event 201, right? Yeah. yeah. So they had Event 201 happens. Now 
after after 2020 happens, you have Klaus Schwab starting to come out talking about a cyber pandemic. Now you start getting hit with a movie like the the you know leave the world behind things like that. I there's even a movie coming <clears throat> out of like about the Civil War that they're showing. Yeah, the Civil Alex War Garland, right? And, yeah. Did you see the trailer for that? Yeah, so, right. So Alex Garland, he's done a lot of these very kind of uh, deep sci-fi apocalypse-based uh, things. Like he had, a, I think he wrote 28 Days Later, the famous zombie movie. Um, you know, he, he had a big hit when he made the movie Ex Machina, which is kind of a yeah. dystopian AI thing, which the AI is rolling out. So that movie was very predictive <laughs> in terms yeah. of what it was saying. Because we get, we're getting the AI girlfriends rolling out now, right? Um, that's what that movie is about. Uh, and so he also did a movie called Annihilation, which is kind of a it's a weird Luciferian kind of thing where people are being copied and cloned by this kind of demonic alien entity. Um, so like he has a history of kind of doing these kind of deep occultic plots. So I won't be surprised if and I can kind of gather from the trailer, you know, it's a similar sort of story with to what you have in the Obama movie. It's like, Oh, you know, America's collapsing and the MAGA people are the bad people and they're the ones behind yeah. it. And only if we, you know, follow the UN and the global government, will we be saved? That's what, I mean, that's what it looks the, like. From the, 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 okay. So the irony of that. So Rob and I were talking about this because all you have is a trailer for that. Right. So you right. can tell, even just from the trailer, it talks about uh, the, 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 whatever president is in, it goes for a third term. So it sounds almost like, Trump wins. Trump yes. gets a third term, and then you because look, they they ran these um, these uh, war games before the 2020 election about yeah. if Trump wins, what will we do? And they actually yeah. plan out these war games of what states will secede and all these things because as long as the Democrat wins, you won't get Republicans seceding. But if Trump wins, you will get the left seceding, and that's why that that plot is almost believable because it looks almost like Trump wins. Now you get the California secedes and you start getting these breakaway movements, but it doesn't look like, like we're, we're, we're so conditioned to thinking civil war will look a specific way because of how the last civil war in America went, but it won't look anything like that last geographical line in the sand, North versus South civil war. That's a good point. Yeah. I don't, I don't know exactly how it would look like, you know, I'm not like a military expert kind of dude. So I'm sure there's a lot of people who, you know, in the military, they could probably speak to that way better than me. I mean, but the military is always running drills for that kind of stuff all the time. I mean, uh, a lot of people have forgotten. Um, remember Jade Helm? That was a huge deal uh, like seven, eight years ago. I mean, the conspiracy world was going nuts over it because they were doing these large scale exercises for uh, large scale us collapse and they're called yeah. jade helm and at that time all the preppers and all the all the sort of uh you know patriot people were freaking out because they thought well this is the exercise where they're preparing to collapse the country and this kind of stuff so i mean it wasn't and i did a lot of analysis at the time saying that i thought that this was a lot of hype and it wasn't really going to be the collapse of the, of the u.s but but thinking back like now it's like well maybe what, what maybe jade helm was like uh you know what's coming in the in the near future well, i don't know i'm not seeds, saying for yeah. sure but but what Jade Helm had in it was like, like how would the military respond to, um, I don't remember exactly what the threat was. I can't remember if it was Patriots or foreign enemy, but, but basically it was like people were having to be, you know, rounded up and sent to Walmarts 
Walmarts became big detainment centers. Uh, you know, it's Katrina style stuff where people were, were brought into um, uh, sporting arenas, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. So uh, there was, you know, the whole UN thing and we'll have the camps and all that. Um, I mean, J- Jade Helm was a real exercise, right? Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying they were actually putting people into camps. I'm saying the exercise was multi-state military exercise about uh, how to respond in a big collapse type scenario or a civil war scenario. Uh, and if I remember, the main the main emphasis was AI. So Jade Helm was a giant multi-state exercise about garnering uh, information about how AI would aid in this scenario. Does that make sense? Yeah, I have, I have this, I have this, I have this like theory that the, the biggest thing standing in the way of some one world governmental organization basically is the U S constitution, like the U S constitution, our freedom of speech. Cause you see they're enacting all these laws in other countries around the world, especially Australia. Australia is like, some of the things that go on over there oh, in New yeah, Zealand, right. it's just bonkers. Right. And it, I think they'd have a hard time getting America under their control because of our constitution. So part of me thinks like the reason they're opening our borders and flooding our borders and part of the reason they're trying to purposely tank our economy and all this is to destabilize us to the point where we just, our constitution has to go out the window. And that plot to that movie seemed kind of plausible to me like they're just like just knock their electricity out let them kill each other we don't have to do anything to them i think you're right about on that on the right train there because i mean i think as orthodox or catholic we would probably have some criticisms of the enlightenment ideas behind america and the constitution all that but that doesn't mean everything about it's bad yeah right so you do have a lot of these limitations and these firewalls and these uh, checks in place that were meant to, you know, hold back uh, tyranny of that scale. So I think there's something to that. Um, I definitely think that from the global elite perspective, at least in, in the way they speak in a lot of their books, they seem to have that attitude where they view it like, you know, we're, on, we're the, on the road to where we want to go for the technocratic global government. We, at le- we have to kind of go through these phases where we get rid of the U.S. or, or at least um, like the way Klaus and them have talked about it, it's like, the U S doesn't necessarily have to be destroyed, but it has to like, it has to be humbled and learn like taken down a few notches at least yeah. <laughs> is what the way they talk about it. Yeah. What do you, what do you make of Elon dude? Because it's, it, it's weird because he's the guy who's actually trying to put Neuralink together and put <clears throat> in our brain, but he's also the guy disrupting the system a little bit. He let Alex Jones back on and he seems like, like I, I can't tell if he's, completely a bad guy just trying to subvert us or if he's got some good elements to him and maybe he's a pawn of his own destruction or something what, what you, what That's you a good question again you know i i don't know his motives I've, I've never talked to him i don't know you know uh i think best case scenario he's in a process of waking up and he really is waking up and there there's things that indicate that um worst case scenario he's you know just kind of playing around and screwing with everybody and it's just a chess game for him i i don't know um but i would i would i i think i tend to lean towards the former that it seems like you know he, it's a best case scenario at least that he's he's doing good things so far right yeah um but we do have to be on guard and not kind of like 
throw all of our eggs in one basket because yeah, I think know, it's, like, it, yeah go ahead. it's a good sign that he's South African because he's seen uh, the end result of so many of these different programs happen to his own country. So that's true. Yeah. It, it just scares me because he's, you're put, you put your faith so much in one guy and then yeah. they could just take that one guy out. And now it, he, he's going to have so much because what he's doing with X is he's trying to make it the everything platform. We're giving him all of our data. We're do, like, we're using this as the main thing. So if you just take him out now, you and now you put yeah, another the, person at the helm of it. Now somebody else. Yeah, we, we need decentralization, that. not the opposite. Yeah. Somebody was talking about, I think Andrew was saying like uh, his theory was that <clears throat> Elon wanted X because if you buy X, then you got access to basically, like you said, like every DM and everybody's data. <laughs> so like whatever Senator was dumb enough to, you know, tweet the chick that he's cheating on his wife with right now, Elon has that data. So yeah. Uh, yeah, that could be, I, I, I didn't think about that angle of like, um, a control move. Um, but at the same time, it's like, well, but the NSA had all that data too. Right. So yeah. it's like yeah, the, the data was, was there. So, um, I don't know how much like, okay. So like if somebody else comes in and takes over, you know, if Elon's doesn't have Twitter anymore, uh, what are they going to do with that? Like, I mean, they already know who's on what side. I think yeah. AI is probably, I don't know, but it's probably smart enough from a programmer perspective that they already have everybody classified as to where they stand politically or, you know what I mean? So it's like, when do you, when do you do? think we get to the point where they start trying to make new religions with the AI? Like you saw all the, um, Harari, uh, whatever. Yeah, Harari. Yeah, yeah. Harari videos where he's yeah. talking about. Well, we'll just have the AI start coming out with new scriptures and things yeah. like that. I mean, we're on the verge of people worshiping this artificial intelligence as yeah. it is. Well, I mean, THX one one three eight, right? That's one of George. That's George Lucas's first movie, and that movie kind of combines all the dystopian stories into one. And in that movie, he has AI as the kind of god. So yeah. when you go to confession, have you seen THX? No. Oh man, you got to watch it because in THX, it's this dystopia in the future where they where the humans live underground. It's kind of like a you know brave new world scenario, and the, the only job of the humans is to build the robots that enslave them, right? And so, um, basically, when you go to confession, if you start feeling bad, you go into this booth, and it's a robot Jesus that you confess to. Oh my gosh! I mean, it's from a movie <laughs> from a movie perspective, yeah. it's good though because it's like. That we're we're on the verge of where this yeah. is going to be rolling out, right? Well, what was that? What was that movie on Netflix with um, where like they could transfer your 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 consciousness into another person? Altered uh, Altered Carbon. Altered Carbon, where the only people against this was the Catholic Church in Altered Carbon. It was like the Catholic. It was like the old Catholics were against this because your soul couldn't go. Out. It was still funny how like they had a form of Christianity that was still like against the idea of transferring your consciousness yeah. into another being because you, yeah, your soul. Yeah, yeah, Christianity doesn't play into a lot of sci-fi stuff. Very rarely, um, it's kind of a little bit there in Dune, but it's weird because it's like. The, the orange catholic and yeah the orange yeah. catholic catholicism is blended with islam or sufism to form this new kind of weird religion around palm wadib um i think you know that mormon dude orson scott card right he has a uh sci-fi and, universe 
Ender's like, Game. There's a Mormon planet. There's a Catholic planet. There's atheist planet. <laughs> so, so, but yeah, usually uh, religion doesn't play into the sci-fi future worlds. But if it does, you're right. It's like some kind of weird, uh, you know, AI god or something that people are worshiping. Yeah, man. I, we we just had uh, we've been trying to push back on evolution a lot on our channel lately. Uh, we just had somebody, a woman on from the Colby Center the other day, a biologist, just talking about evolution. Like I just I see evolution and aliens and ai all yeah. coming together as one thing oh, cool. very soon like all of it as as a narrative that we're all going to fall for yeah i think uh I, I did several chapters in i think my well actually the first book and my second book <clears throat> i had a lot of, i had several chapters where i was talking about how a lot of the movies uh about alien stuff is preparing us for i think kind of a, a potential future new religion I think the ideal of the global elite would be to have a completely manufactured and created religion. For example, we see that in a lot of the the dystopian fiction from people from the power structure, right? If you read Brave New World, we just re I just reread that. We did a whole uh, five episode podcast on that. I didn't even realize that it's basically a, a, a sex magic religion around drugs. I'd forgotten that in Brave New World, there's a future religion based around that. <clears throat> Um, I think a lot of the alien fiction, people like H.G. Wells and others, like I think they were kind of warming us up for uh, the potentiality of a future new alien religion. There's a 1968 Brookings Institute document produced for NASA, where in that document, I put this in my second book, they talked about how if alien life was uh, disclosed, they believed it would have the effect of uh, destabilizing Western biblical religion. Of so that was what the document says. And well, here we you, are, by the way, you, in the last the last two years has been just like and it's weird because it seems like not many people are paying that much attention to it. But like in the conspiracy world, everybody was like, oh, they're going to announce all this alien stuff, which I think is all BS is all psyop. I don't believe in aliens. But now they're rolling out all this alien baloney. I think it's totally a psyop. They bring out all these intelligence agents who we've discovered eight alien bodies from crash crafts i think it's all but they don't even say bodies they'll say well yes we found biologics because they're on their oath right so they have to be careful and they can't so like what the heck is a biologic like what do you even call (laughs) yeah exactly like like, well the the woman asked him while he's under oath well so so did you find alien bodies we found non-human biologics is what we found so like that could be a freaking a a squirrel like what are you even talking about (laughs) half the drugs they advertise on tv to us are biologics now that's a good point yeah it's it's such a weird thing but i've i've noticed that almost without exception the because especially with catholics that believe in evolution almost all of them without exception will also grant that the possibility of aliens is there. It's because if you believe life formed from yes, they a, go together, a sludge point. here, or then it could have happened somewhere else, and we're nothing significant. And it's just the way your mind automatically will think of it. Right. Do you think aliens is a one hundred percent psyop, or do you think there's anything demonic going on there? Like, do you think there's anything to it? Uh, I think there's some elements to it which are demonic, because and even some of the people from that domain say that right like even people who don't even believe in demons or god or whatever like jacques valley i think he was an occultist uh rosicrucian and i mean he's one of the most famous people kind of involved in this stuff at a at a deep level 
you know, he wrote several books talking about how, even though he didn't know exactly what was going on, he said it was like malevolent entities. So there is an element, I think, to which there are these sort of spiritual malevolent forces involved in this. But I think at like the human level, for the most part, a lot of it's uh, baloney and psyops. And it's intentional, though. In fact, you can go into, there's a good book that the, uh, the Collins brothers, uh, their, their new book, Invoking the Beyond, they've got about 300 pages in their book dedicated to the alien psyop. It's probably the best thing I've seen so far exposing the alien nonsense as a psyop. And they go into the whole history of like the CIA was consulting on the, some of the first alien movies. Um, C.D. Jackson, the uh, big psyop, psy warfare guy, by the way, involved in the, the Catholic. Uh, uh, he wasn't Catholic, but I'm saying he was involved in the doctrinal warfare program. He's the brains behind that. He was also consulting on some of these early alien movies. Well, that, I mean, it, it should be noted that the CIA was created the same year Roswell happened. Great point. 47. Exactly. And I think yeah, the Collins brothers talk about that. In fact, the first uh, abductee guy, uh, George Adamski, um, Alan Dulles, uh, threatened to go to court against people that wanted to call Adamski a fraud. Well, why would the head of the CIA be involved in like trying to cover for this lunatic, you know, claiming nonsense about being abducted and stuff? So, yeah, I think it's absolutely bound up with the intelligence deep state from the very beginning. It's, it's totally been a psyop, but I do think there is like a demonic element. And I do agree with you that very perceptive to to note the alien stuff too or the evolution stuff because part of the 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 alien narrative has relied on the idea that well if the cosmos is billions of years old then it stands to reason that life would have probably in that time frame developed somewhere else yeah so you're absolutely right well i i, I don't believe in like aeons of big bang and all i, I believe in young earth so um, I, I, oh, I, I love could. meeting somebody else that that doesn't think I'm crazy for this because it's been <laughs> it's been kind of like just th this this past year just coming to this understanding that evolution is just a creation myth. Absolutely. It's just it's just a creation myth because when you really understand every culture that came before us, they all had their creation myth, and. Especially when you like, I, I've been uh, listening to some of the commentary on the Book of Enoch lately, and some of the commentary really talks directly, like getting back into the alien stuff. But it it talks about like the angelic beings giving technology to the humans, and it seems like if they're having these occult rituals, like some of this stuff that you're seeing could be human beings being influenced by the demonic to create technology that is beyond human capabilities and things like that you know yeah it's very possible uh you know alex uh, believes that he's always talking about that um i've read some of the biographies of some of the guys involved in some of the mk ultra stuff like <clears throat> uh, if you read john c Lilly's uh autobiography he was the guy who was putting the brain chips in dolphins right in the 50s and 60s yeah yeah they were trying to uh, he's one of, the early, one of the early developers of like uh you know brain RFID technology. Um, he claims that, and he was the guy who would do the float tanks, right? Where he would do really uh, like hardcore hallucinogens and then get in the float tank yeah. and trip out. And he claims yeah. that in those sessions, like he would get ideas and information from the entities that he would interact with on these really hardcore trips. 
So, and he believes in his autobiography. He, he thinks they're aliens, right? We would say yeah. they're demons, but so yeah. I think there's some, I think there is possibility for that. Um, this is, I know you guys are, are Catholic, but there's a really good book that critiques this, this whole idea uh, of evolution from a patristic perspective. And, and it's uh, Seraphim Rose's book, Genesis Creation, Early Man. Uh, so you might like that, even though it, oh, I'll it, definitely read that. Most yeah. of it's actually just going to the church fathers. So it's not mainly about orthodoxy, but um, <clears throat> he has another book, uh, Orthodoxy in the Religion of the Future, where he critiques uh, the alien stuff as demonic as well. So um, from a theological perspective, that's a good book. Yeah, to, to me, it ha- and I think it's a, com- I mean, I see so the psyop angle of it is so obvious to me where they'll uh they'll send somebody out they'll even let them go before congress and then the yeah. organization itself will just deny deny don't know i don't right. know I don't know. you know it's it's how they always would trickle information out to get it planned it, i mean it's predictive programming it's to get yeah. you to start thinking about it so do you think there's anything to the what is it uh, project blue beam or something is that where the, where they're going to actually have a fake alien invasion and stuff what, what, what one was that yeah i think you're right yeah. blue, blue beam <laughs> is the idea of um using like holographic technology right um could be i mean it seems like they're going with uh you know these intelligence agents coming out and saying that they've found bodies and all that kind of stuff but th- but really that's not anything new because if you go back to the original claims of Roswell, I mean, that's kind of what, what was happening at Roswell, right? This this military guy's claiming that they found this crashed craft and he's holding up what looks like freaking tinfoil. It doesn't look like anything you know, legitimate. Um, so the, the recent stuff with this Gorish guy, I mean, it all seems kind of just seems to be the re- a rehashing of the original Roswell stuff. So um, I don't think it's real in that sense. Any of that's real. But I think that um, they definitely could try to roll out some kind of holographic scenario. It's it's possible. Um, I don't. I don't even think they would use holographic scenarios. I'm gonna say, I would think, they need to even do that? I mean, yeah, no. I think AI at this point is. I mean, they can the way they can generate imagery now. I mean, with even with deep fakes and things like that. Like, I really think, I think that we're not really prepared for what's coming down the road. AI wise. Well, also, I mean, probably the real crafts that they have are very advanced, mm-hmm. right? Like publicly, they tell us the fastest craft is like some, you know, B silent bomber from the 70s or 60s or something. SR right? 71. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, obviously, they've developed stuff way more advanced than that. In, in my opinion, probably a lot of the UFO videos that you see. It's probably advanced drones. Um, So I think that rather than using holograms like Bluebeam, they would probably just, if if they wanted to fake an alien scenario, they probably just probably have our own technology that could actually could fake it at this point. Also important to keep in mind. I don't think that this is all the only thing that the alien narrative was about, but in the cold war, a lot of the alien narrative was a cover and a cloak for uh the tech that was being uh developed for the cold war so yeah. they put i think I, I don't think that was the only reason they were putting out the alien era but, but a lot of the alien stories that they were putting mm-hmm. out were to kind of cover it was disinformation for what they were really developing in the midst of the cold war 
a lot of the the early UFO sightings in the 50s were actually the U2 spy plane. Yes. Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's an alien cover smoke screen that they'll use at times, a UFO cover. But I think also, like I said, from that 1968 Brookings Institute document, like they also saw the social engineering uh, potentiality for, uh, you know, an, an alien life announcement scenario. Yeah, man. I just feel like ever, dude. I, I they got me to the point where I don't trust anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, how? <laughs> because you kind of been in the conspiracy realm for a lot longer than I have, obviously. You know, but I it something happened with. I guess I guess it was really Trump was like the the you know just everything fell apart with Trump. Where, where I just saw every single thing they're doing is trying to build a narrative and even seeing world war two as like the American narrative was built around world war two and our whole understanding of who we are as the saviors of that whole war and going against Hitler and that whole, like that, that all of that is what built the, uh, what is it like the 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 liberal the new world liberal order liberal or whatever world, right. the, the Bretton Woods agreement the post World oh. War II uh, you know scenario yeah exactly it seems like all of that is starting to crumble and they want to put something new in its place and that they need a new event to base a new narrative on yeah I think that's also very perceptive because <clears throat> the last two world wars in the last century. Um, you know, according to mainstream geopolitical analysis, the purpose of the uh, the post-war uh, global institutions, for example, after World War One, World War One led to the League of Nations, and the purpose of the League of Nations was to be the entity that would ensure uh, democracy for the world. It didn't really work. There were senators that were blocking the UN at that time, uh, or assume the League of Nations, because they felt it was a surrendering of of American sovereignty. So it failed. Then you had uh, World War II, and World War II, according to Quigley, was the basis for the United Nations. The United Nations was supposed to be the entity then that would succeed where the League of Nations failed to basically bring about a world government, right? Um, it hasn't really succeeded, although after COOF, we did actually concede a lot of power to the UN. Sure. So um, I think you're right, though, that there's a I don't know. Obviously, I'm not predicting the future, but there's a, a good chance that to bring in the next level of right to level up from League of Nations to United Nations to, you know, super United Nations, whatever it's going to be, um, some kind of catalyzing event could probably yeah. be that. Yeah. But what that would be, economic collapse, world war, uh, fake alien invasion, a new scandemic. I mean, I don't know, but, you know, you could be any of those. I think it'll probably be some some kind of I I mean, I think you just got to believe what they're telling you. And I really do think a lot of this is predictive programming. And I really do think you're going to see some kind of cyber thing happen. But but going back to even just the, the narrative building, like. You can see what built Western civilization was the Christian impulse to go forth and baptize all nations and spread the gospel, where the past century has been more go and spread democracy. It's like the new gospel, right? Let's go and spread democracy. Let's bring democracy to the Middle East. And it does not work. It's just not working, no matter how much they try. So I, I think that they're going to have some other way. Like, I feel like uh, 2020 was 
just kind of like a little warm up for them to test the waters to see what they could get away with. And something bigger is coming along. They just, I don't, I mean, it's, it's weird because even in that movie, one of the things they left you with was there's not this group of people that are controlling everything. Nobody's really in control, but a lot of these people do get a heads up about some of the things that are going to happen. Right. Oh yeah. That was crazy. Like, so on the one hand, the movie's kind of hinting that there's this shadowy, subversive, foreign and domestic entity that is bringing the, the country down. But then the guy says, but nobody's running anything and it's all just chaos, right? So yeah. it's like this weird atheistic thing. Like, was he talking <laughs> about the, because he mentions the cabal and then he's like, but nobody's running anything. Almost like there's no God, there's no purpose. Right? So it's, it's unclear exactly what he meant by that statement. But then obviously he also says that there's got to be internal subversives to bring America down. So that's what happened. So some, we don't know, right? And the movie leaves you never really knowing who was behind it. But <clears throat> but I think that it ties into what you said earlier that, you know, from the perspective of the global elite, if you did want to bring in a world government, you would have to bring the United States down because it does pre- present a kind of roadblock. Um, you would probably do that through internal enemies and having no border and having, you know, uh, all kinds of other crazy scenarios. You just just think about what's the point of opening the border to foreign, to foreigners. Right. And what, what you're, what you're doing is destroying the cohesion a people has, right? Like America never had a unifying religion. We've always, because it really religion should be the thing that unifies a culture. It's what has always unified cultures throughout history, history, right? Like even paganism, you had your pagan rituals and you would all go to your festivals. So the Roman empire falls apart. A lot of people mistake it, mistakenly think Christianity destroyed the Roman empire. No, it, was a bunch of factors, but a big part of those factors was paganism itself. They stopped believing in these rituals and following these, these different religious rituals that they were performing. So on top of that, you start getting, you know, they're overstretched and, you know, barbarian hordes coming in and things like that. But the idea of letting anybody come into your border, it's to break the cohesion that a people has. So you no longer feel as one. And there's something very real about divide and conquer. So if you keep, everybody at their throats fighting about everything and only arguing about the things they want you to argue about. Like, yeah, dude, I'm so tired of the, the, the trans argument. Like I just don't care anymore, but they keep forcing that argument down our throat, the woke thing, but that's what they want us doing. They just want us fighting with each other and at each other's throats. Oh, absolutely. I mean, divide and conquer, that's kind of basic, but I mean, you know, the same thing with uh, Byzantium, right? Like the story behind the fall of Byzantium is that, uh, and by the way, I'm not trying to spark an argument, but when Byzantium <laughs> fell, it was Uniate, right? It had already accepted Union. So a lot of times people say, oh, well, Byzantium fell because it was Orthodox. No, actually, it was in communion with Rome. When it, it was fell. right after Florence. <laughs> yeah. And then, so what I happened? Know anything about the history. You could actually teach me this. Or well, but the, no the, 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 the whole point of this was just that there's this story uh, that the <clears throat> when the Muslims were, right, sacking Byzantium, they eventually... Somebody opened the, the gates, basically, yep. right, and let him in. And then the story is that when uh, uh, the, the sultan or whoever it was, <clears throat> when he got in, he he found out who had opened the doors, and they came to him, and they were like, uh, we did it. We did it. For, and then he had him killed. He killed him, yeah. And it's like, well, what? <laughs> well, because his reasoning was, well, if you were a traitor to them, yeah, 
you're you're not trustworthy. Right? And so, <laughs> same thing with Stalin too, right? So like when Stalin came to power, you know, uh, he eventually had to kind of execute a bunch of underlings around him. And there's this sort of recurring process of like people think that the the ones who you know are the traitors are going to be the ones that are rewarded when they're the first to go. And yeah. so I think that the people who are sort of the Democrats and this, this, these lunatics that are helping and aiding and trying to destroy our country. Like they don't understand, like they're be the first like, ones get up against the wall. The, yeah. the Bolsheviks get rid of the Mensheviks. Stalin got rid of Trotsky. It's never ended. Yeah. Yeah. So Rob and I were talking about like what an actual civil war might actually look like, because I don't see it being some geographical north versus south thing anything like that first off civil war in every other place that it's happened aside from the american civil war just starts out being just sectarian violence like you just get these outbreaks and terrorist attacks and things like that and normal life goes on around it it's not these all-out battles like we saw in the american civil war so like we don't know how that whole thing would break apart the balkans in the 90s more than it is the u.s civil war in the 1860s yeah i mean it definitely wouldn't be like the makeup of like you know america's civil war i mean one thing about that movie that probably the reason people are paying attention to it is that i think people think well yeah it was it was obama produced but presumably obama would know what the contingency plans would be right (laughs) and the premise of the movie is that (laughs) the premise of the movie is that it's a realistic scenario of how or what would how America would potentially collapse. So, and presumably Obama would have some knowledge of that, I think. Um, And the idea in the movie is that basically it's just all hell breaks loose within a a week. So you basically within one week, you have uh, power goes out in certain places. Then you get the internet going down, uh, cyber attacks, and then you get these weird um, EMP ELF, uh, attacks yeah, these weird with, frequency with attacks that... signals right which there are elf elf weapons but we're never actually told how that's happening in the movie it just happens <clears throat> and then you get the psyops of the flyers that are being dropped and we find out in the movie that at first you think it's iranians or it's muslims and then you get you you hear the story that oh no actually in other states they're dropping flyers claiming that it's korean chinese or yeah chinese koreans and so that's all uh <laughs> disinformation that the guy the man the, the black guy explains what does he say he's like it was a cha- like a planned chaos he says yeah like, it's, well it's yeah. the fog of war where you don't know what the heck is happening basically you know you just you don't know and then we get the biowarfare thing right so the guy the the kid gets bitten by a tick which i think we're supposed to think is has affected the, t- the deer because the deer have some form of chronic wasting disease mm-hmm. or Lyme's disease or something because they're all like mangy and and they got deer aids right yeah. and, the, and the kid gets bit by a tick and his teeth fall out so he's got some kind of it's some biowarfare attack as well that's going on yeah uh which in the movie it doesn't make any sense because it's just it's just cured by antibiotics i mean they go to kevin bacon they're like yeah. you have medicine give it to us <laughs> yeah it's like, give us medicine it's like, oh, okay he's got some pills so here, here's yeah here's some blue pills just take they gave him viagra what's funny is preppers really do they they stock up on antibiotics meant for yeah. fish 
because they're completely unregulated. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can order antibiotics on Amazon. Oh, and then there was another, uh, remember the oil tanker? That's probably the most yeah. uh, memorable scene is when the oil tanker just sort of like grinds to a halt at the beach. Right up on shore. And I, I think that's supposed to, oh, so they're, you know, they're bringing America's petrodollar and the, the economy to a halt somehow. So there's some sort of economic uh, oil attack or halting to the economy um, through this EMP. They'd say the satellites have been hacked or something. So it seems to be like just total chaos is let loose within one week. I mean, dude, if you really think about it, though. If oh, and then we get a nuke. Go, Remember, there's a nuke that goes Yeah, on. there was a nuke the in, in the distance in the city. But if you really think about it, if they cut the internet off alone, not even the power. Let's just say they cut the internet off. You're talking, we are so dependent on internet at this point. Right. Food delivery systems. You're, and like every single thing is set up on the internet to be done through delivery systems that are through everything on the computer i mean if you could really shut let's say you even shut the power grid and the computers down what what is it, it i think it's like it, within a week it, you'll have people starving it right? doesn't even have to be the internet if the ach clearinghouse system goes down that that banks use to transfer money that businesses money use to send and receive money how do businesses pay each other you know like that alone is would be a massive disruption to to trade well, I did a live stream <clears throat> not too long ago. That's a great point, too, by the way, about the ACH system. Uh, I did a live stream a couple of days ago about all of the other fiction stories that were kind of prepping us for not just a dystopian. I've done a million dystopian movie podcasts, but more specifically, the dystopian stories about the collapse of America. Right. Yeah. And there's, that's its own sort of sub niche. Um, and in, in a lot of those, it's like they send us back to 1800s, right? So J.J. Abrams had a show called uh, uh, Revolution that lasted a few seasons on NBC. Yeah, I watched that. There was yeah. Jericho in the mid-2000s. Jericho, I watched all of Jericho. Um, I watched the season of Jericho. <laughs> Jeremiah was another one where they... Oh, yeah, uh, Jeremiah if was... If you remember too. in Jeremiah, at the, I think at the end of it, it ended up being a bio-release or something that, that it was actually the military did on purpose to depopulate. Yeah, you're right. So at the end of the story, they actually say it's like, oh yeah, we did that to depopulate the earth. Anyway, but, but um, what's weird? What's weird is that there's there's almost a fetishizing of that scenario, right? Like, right. There's something of even with even with the pandemic when when the pandemic happens, it it was like a weird excitement that I mean, I I I, I forgot who we were talking to. We were talking about because I'm in New York, right? Nine eleven happens, and it's like it was just far enough away from me where I could be like claim it because i'm in new york it's like oh i could claim i'm part of this tragedy but like nobody i know died like i like cousins or cousins cousins but not like a father or a sister so like when tragedy hits like sort of close to home it's like something I, exciting about it i like, like how to an, to an italian nobody is a cousin <laughs> like to me a cousin if kind of close to you like i just I a cousin. Say, we're all cousins over here but no but just there's something about being a human that once when, when an emergency hits, there's something exciting about it, which is why we all like these apocalyptic yeah. movies and storylines and stuff. It's weird. Yeah. It's a, I don't know, there's a sensationalism to it. And I think people can, maybe there's this in an, an, a uh, sense that a lot of us have that we know our society is going in the wrong direction and it can't continue forever. Right. Like we can't continue yeah. to completely condone every form of degeneracy we can't continue to you know have a, a open abortions like we do i mean 
something is going to end this in some well, way. At a know? certain point, God is not a good father if he doesn't punish his children, right? Like we have we have gotten so out of control with those specific things that you're right. talking about, right? With just the moral degeneracy that, it, I mean, even if he doesn't do anything, we will do it to ourselves. Like him just, because really, if you understand what God's talking about with his wrath versus his, um, versus mercy, like God's wrath is not punishment. God's wrath is, oh, I'm going to give you up to your own desires and let you do what you want and not yeah, punish I mean, you like, anymore. Like it says in Romans 1, right? Like give right, exactly, right? So when God's wrath is like, oh, yeah, that's what you want? Go ahead. You can have it. I'm not even going to. Whereas the mercy minor, is a, a punishment. Right. One of the minor prophets talks about even sterility uh, being itself the punishment, right? So yeah. choosing this to be sterile is the punishment itself because you're basically ensuring that you won't go into the future, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's. It's weird, man. I think I think all of us have this weird sense that's we're I mean, Peugeot talks about it all the time. So I love Peugeot because he always talks about like that you could sense you're coming to the end of the story because you start seeing these patterns yeah, that go. pop up yeah, at the end. A better of, way of saying what I was trying to say, exactly. Yeah, you start seeing these patterns popping up at the <laughs> end of a story. So it's the, that may not mean we're coming to the end of the world, but we're coming to the end of something very soon. Yeah. Well, the, the world order as it's been might be correct to an end and i think it's very likely that you could see what the global elite call catalyzing events right they're always talking about in their books uh the the, the next crisis right we have a yeah. crisis of overpopulation there's a crisis of uh using oil and fossil fuels right which i don't even think that oil is it's not dinosaur bones. It's not right. I don't know. I don't know what oil is, but I don't believe it's dinosaur juice ground up. It's probably a natural resource. That yeah, never is going to run out. That, you know, Earth makes somehow. Right? I mean, yeah. Um, but yeah. So, but but they the and that that's all tied up with this idea that it can't, it can't possibly be dinosaur bones. Dinosaurs were only here four thousand years ago. What are they talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it's dinosaur. Like Earth is like a big blender that like it blends up the dinosaurs in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> It out like a, like a fossil siphon. fuels or oil. Get out of here, you maniacs! Uh, I was gonna say, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't think... know if it's the end of the world. I, I, you know, obviously, New Testament's clear that we're not told that, but yeah. uh, you know, it could be the end of our you know civilization. That's certainly possible. I think there's so much um, desire for those types of like, like you were saying, apocalyptic stories, because I think so many of us have an innate feeling that majority of our lives are are unfulfilling like obviously like the fulfilling you know i have fulfilling parts of my life like my faith my children things like that but like i provide for my family by doing a fake job you know i don't go out and make something with my hands i I work on a computer with you know numbers uh, electronically that's not actually physically providing it's unfulfilling and i think a lot of us have that sense and we we realize that if we're brought back to to this earlier age and suddenly life means more yeah and other people have had good points about that too which is like uh all the feminism is going to go away <laughs> because if we if we go to like an 1800s mad max scenario like y- your feminism is going to mean absolutely nothing right mm-hmm. you're going to be looking to the nearest uh strong man to help you out when there's a 100%. bunch of when there's when we're in a road road warrior scenario with biker gangs running around everywhere 
Yeah, well, what about Furiosa and Mad Max? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, uh, oh, Furiosa, right? The feminist uh, Charlize <laughs> Theron is going to take care of yeah. it. No, it's going to be more like Humongous in, in Road Warrior Part 2, right? Where it's like biker, <laughs> gang, biker gangs of like BDSM weirdos are like, you know, <laughs> come on. Yeah, they really have come up with something. I want to bring peace. You remember when <laughs> Humongous is giving the, like, he's at the gates of the city and he's like, He's got the, he's like this giant. I never beat. I never saw it. No. Oh man, Road Warriors great. It's it, so there's a city where they try to rebuild and they're they're making oil, right? They have an oil thing. And and it's all this big biker gang run by Humongous who's this this giant buff dude and his gang of like Skittles guys. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like he's got this uh, you know, megaphone like outside the city and he's like I want to be your friend. Come out. Let's have peace. We've been fighting, and all he wants is to do butt stuff. Basically, <laughs> he's like, "Open the gates and let me do." Butt. Dude, one you, of the you, you should watch. Road. We're going into Road Warrior. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but <laughs> all right. So feminism's what, not going to do you any good. What's that, what's your favorite apocalyptic movie? Like, I, I I think the Road is is okay, but the uh, the Book of Eli was good. Book, Book of, of Eli is a good end of the world movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's got a kind of a Christian theme. Book of Eli is uh, good for that. It's very um, Protestant, though, right? Yeah, it's yeah, just it about is. the Bible. There's he's, no, yeah, no he's one just got his Bible with him. <laughs> his Bible. He's got the King James um, Bible of everything he had to memorize the KJV, really. Yeah. <laughs> I like um, 12 Monkeys is good. I, oh, I, I love, love 12 movie. Monkeys. Man, I haven't seen that in so long. That's a, yeah, that's great a good one. one. I did a podcast on that. Um, I like all the you know Road Warriors. Obviously, the last one is super feminist, but um, I like Mad Max. World. But the, well, World Thunderdome World. is one, probably my favorite. Thunderdome's great. Yeah. Oh, man. Jay, thank you co for coming on, dude. You're always fun to talk to, man. You're Absolutely, always knowledgeable yeah. on this stuff. You came on, like, I literally texted you like two days ago. I was like, you busy this week? You're like, nah, any day, man. Just let me know. Sure. Yeah, it was so, a great chat. Um, Thanks for having me. Rob and I are going to take uh, take take our, our crew over to Locals, and we're going to get into this Francis stuff. And after we dissect it, maybe me and you will talk offline a little, and I'll give you my my, my okay. thoughts on it. Sure, anytime. Jay, thank you so much, man. You're always, you're always a blast to talk to, brother. All right, man. You guys have a good night. Oh, you got anything yeah. to promote? Uh, just follow me on my channels if you want to. Um, uh, you can get my books and, and my website in the shop, although right now my shop is uh, – under construction so you might have to wait a couple of days if you want to i got a couple of books on movies and symbolism s stark hollywood one and two and if you get those from the website um sign copies so that's what i that's all some, i got really. some of my favorite stuff on your channel is like when you'll break down um like you'll break things down like you'll you'll break down a jordan peterson thing and you'll actually oh, yeah. get into it I've, I've watched a lot of your stuff man i really do enjoy your channel jay so uh Appreciate guys it. go Go check out Jay, Jay on YouTube. Follow him on uh, Instagram. He's J underscore 007 or something, right? Yeah. And by the way, uh, movie-wise, Tristan and I are going to break down um, Ex Machina because mm -hmm. now they're rolling out uh, the push for SEX bots and AI yeah. girlfriends. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be looking at the predictive programming in uh, that movie from uh, 2014, Ex Machina. That's a good movie, too. Yeah, so. it was a good movie. Um, all right, everybody that everybody else follow us over to locals. Rob and I are gonna get into breaking down this latest fun, 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 fun document that the Vatican just released. And I have some original thoughts that you guys probably haven't heard from anybody else. So all right, we'll see you guys on right. Thursday with uh Nick Cavazos. Adios, guys. <laughs>